Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics out September 19th, 2018. I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. Today being September 19th. Wait, no. Actually, we're recording this the 17th. It releases the 18th, but we're talking about books out on the 19th. Mm-hmm. It's my mom's birthday, the oh, 19th. Oh, happy, happy birthday. birthday. Oh. Yeah. You know, I saw a picture of her once, I believe, on your Twitter. She looks like the nicest lady of all time like she would be fun to hang out with she's great yeah i'm very fond of her yeah yeah i'm gonna go help her clean her basement or something this weekend oh classic classic son duty yeah i'll probably fix the computer because you know how that goes but we are here to talk about all the comics out this week so many books uh we've got new stuff print and digital lots to talk about and a cool free digital comic we'll get to later in the show but first up is amazing spider-man annual number one this is written by saladin ahmed with art by gary brown colors by lee lowridge and letters by joe caramagna and oh hello this is a spidey story from our new miles morales writer saladin ahmed yeah so exciting exciting. yeah Yeah. Uh, and this annual actually takes place in the past shortly after spidey acquired his symbiote costume during the original Marvel superhero Secret Wars. The stories of that era really do focus on what Peter was thinking and doing and feeling and as they should have. But this is cool because it's mostly told from the point of view of the symbiote. And it's actually kind of a heartbreaker. We know a little from the old stories of how the costume would slither onto Peter at night and, and go out fighting crime. And Peter was constantly tired during that period because of this. But this actually is neat because Peter didn't know what was going on. He was he was just tired. Saladin, friggin' wonderful dude that he is, gives a thought and, and feeling and vision and reason to the symbiote side of this story. And actually, we get the captions and the thoughts that the symbiote is going through and why it did this, why it climbed onto Peter and, and went out and just beat the tar out of bad guys. It's mm-hmm. Brutal. And that was what happened at the time. So it's really neat. And if you're reading Venom or just want a cool one-off Spidey story during the time that Peter and Black Cat were hooking up, this is your jam. This is a good good stuff all around. Another amazing Spider-Man tale comes in the form of Amazing Spider-Man. Renew your vows, number 23. This is the final issue of the series, and it is great. And this is written by Jody Hauser with art by Scott Koblish, colors by Ruth Redman, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and this issue is called Weird Science! Thanks. Anyway, this is a, a Mr. Sinister tale because he stole Annie May's blood? Ugh. Creepy. Yeah. Weird thing to do, dude. I've a lot of guys have stolen my blood <laughs> over the years. It's weird. Uh, and uh, one might call it a sinister act, and uh, this is really fun and it's appropriate that he's the villain here because guess who jumps into the fray? The old Merry Mutants, the X-Men are involved here. I love the dynamic here. I've loved what's been cultivated since Jody and team jumped on board, I believe around issue eight or nine and uh, leapt forward in the story, uh, made Annie Mae the kind of classic Peter Parker age, 16 years old, high schooler, dealing with it all at the same time, regular life, superhero life. Uh, we get a little more, a few more insights into some new powers that she has, some uh, new dynamics. I love this one little caption here where Annie Mae is kind of revealing a big secret to Peter and Mary Jane. And she says, without any spaces, I'm going to see how far I can get here without fumbling. She says, 
I can kind of see into the future sometimes, even if things are happening further away and after fighting that clone who wasn't a clone, I think maybe I can control a little bit if I focus. I haven't really tried. I don't know that yet, but now it seems like a good time too. Pretty good. I think I messed up in there. Uh, but shows you have good lung capacity. You're, <sighs> you're healthy. All right. Overall, this is just a really great encapsulation of what this series has been. It's a really fond farewell uh, between these characters. Just for now, though, because we're going to see Annie Mae coming up in Spider-Girls, which I'm super excited about. That'll be spinning out of Spider-Geddon. But uh, fond farewell to Amazing Spider-Man. Renew your vows. Make sure to pick up this final issue. Uh, this issue, I love it because... Scott Kalbush, you know I'm I'm in the tank for him. He's he's a wonderful dude, great artist. Like he draws this scene of mutant recreation at the X Mansion. I love it. Mm-hmm. And he's got Wolverine wearing this yellow tank top that is straight out of an '80s old wrestling promo. He's like guns ablazing, looking great. It is wonderful, and they're playing a form of baseball, I guess. It's like all the kids and the students are just like, they're tackling each other to get the ball for some reason. I don't know. There's a pile on. Yeah. Yeah. It's old school fun. It's terrific. It's very classic X-Men and super fun. All right. Next up is Avengers number eight. I love issues like this. You have the big, just wild storyline that goes for a couple of issues. And then it's the cool Mm -hmm. down. It's like, Hey, the dust is settling. What's next? And this one in particular, it's about the team coming together, establishing the roster, a new base of operations, Avengers Mountain, which is inside the Progenitor, the dead first celestial that helps spawn all life on Earth. And this issue is by Jason Aaron, the writer, David Marquez on art with colors by Justin Ponsor, letters by Corey Petit. And man, woo-wee, there's so much to get to in here. But like the team picks a new chairperson. One of the members of the team leaves. Uh, another member gets rightfully thrown through a wall. It's all about character and team stuff and setting a tone for the next arc to come. Uh, and that comes quickly because Namor is up in this piece. Oh, yeah. My boy, my friend, good dude. <laughs> Love him. He's here. Appropriately uh, shirtless. Oh, well, he's like, it's it's wonderful. It's like a reverse tank top. Yeah, it kind it's of a is. negative it's tank like, top. Like scale armor. On his shoulders yeah. and like his his arms, but just leaves those beautiful, beautiful abs <laughs> and pecs just to shine yeah. and blind people as he rises up out of the water. He comes in. I'd love the way that Dave designs this costume. It's a riff on a bunch of other looks for Namor, but he's got this cool necklace, the shin guards, the leg, you know, armor. Uh, looks really cool. It leaves his little footsies yeah. open so you can see his toesies. He looks Awesome. Yeah. The first note that I wrote for this issue was, dang, I love David Marquez. Yeah. He is just unbelievable. Yeah. Pretty much everybody in this book looks sexy as hell. He has (laughs) a way of drawing everyone looking so cool. It is wonderful. (laughs) Uh, Next up is my pick of the week. It is Captain America Annual, number one. It's written by Tinny Howard with pencils by Chris Sprouse with Ron Lim, inks, by Carl Story, Walden Wong, and Scott Hanna. Colors by Jesus Abertov, Eric Arseniega, and Israel Silva. With letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I love any Steve Rogers story that digs into World War II. That we get to see him on the battleground. We get to see him interacting in that era with other soldiers. Kind of where his story all began. What if it was just a Captain America story with him like in a trench 
cooking sardines for 20 pages <laughs> and he was like cooking them and it's just like why are you cooking these sardines would you love that story honestly i bet it could be good if there's any character that could carry that it is the will the power the mind of steve rogers reading this i was just thinking the entire way along like tinny howard was meant to write cap it is so good I mean, you know, this is her first Marvel work. Yeah. First thing she's done. I mean, she's done a ton of other work outside of Marvel, but her first Marvel work right out the gate. Yeah. Tinny, uh, who will be uh, writing stories in uh, Marvel Knights coming up for the 20th anniversary. Very exciting. So there's a lot more to come from her. And I'm so happy about it because she just gets it. You can just tell she gets it. There's something about kind of the heart and soul, just the energy that Steve Rogers brings to a room, the way he interacts with people in any given situation just feels so right. There's this particular exchange I'm thinking of here between these kind of uh, resistance fighters uh, that they run into here in Germany where the story takes place and Bucky, old school Bucky, that is just so tonally perfect where they're kind of discovering more about each other's backgrounds and uh, you just feel the history, uh, the energy is all completely right. I really, really loved it so much. Uh, This is a really powerful kind of one-shot story. I thought it was um, just really uniquely told, but also at the same time, uh, classic, classic Captain America. I cannot wait to see what else Tinny does moving forward with Marvel. I thought she just absolutely crushed this. Heck yeah. Now we have one of our uh, digital releases this week. It is Deadpool, colon, Secret Agent Deadpool number two. It is written by Christopher Hastings, art by Salva Espin and Matt Yaki. And it has one of my favorite panels of the week. And it's just a simple reaction panel. Wade, he's all gnarly faced with his Jace Burns mask sitting atop his head. Eyes wide, mouth agape, because he just realizes someone figured out what's going on. And it's so perfectly timed and captured by Salva and the team. The whole story is just this fun romp of Deadpool playing secret agent you know, weighing the hijinks of doing the job with the perks of having cool gadgets, resources, and people who like him. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really neat. Also, it's super fun to see Wade as the morally good dude, but Jace is the womanizing grossy, and everyone's reactions to the person that they expected to be scum actually making good human decisions. It's a super fun book. Hope you guys check it out. We also have Doctor Strange number five out this week, written by Mark Wade, art by Jesus Saiz, letters by Corey Petit. The ending of this issue made me say, what the beep, yep. out loud. Yep. Right? Yep. Holy cow. <laughs> there were two big things in this issue that I was not at all expecting. The culmination of Strange's plan to save Earth is the first one. And when, when you actually get to see this final panel of the space thing, it's this master stroke of clever and of course, you know what I'm talking about when he's in space and he's telling, uh, mm-hmm. like directing what to do. And you see this big wide shot of Earth and you're like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. It's very Mark Wade. I will not spoil it, but it was lovely. And the other moment was, the, was this ending. I had totally forgotten that the story began with someone telling a story to bats. And finding out who is talking to bats just spins everything out of control. I love it. I also love Jesus Saiz, as we've talked about many times before. Good Lord, his shirtless Doctor Strange is something special. There's a couple of panels here that just slay. When Steven's holding up the sword he made, it is just like, oh. Yeah, yeah. It is like, get out of here, Chris Anka. You got some competition <laughs> for drawing shirtless dudes. Actually, speaking of that exact, that panel you're talking about, I loved so much. There's a moment He's forging a sword in the in the early pages. Um, when he finishes, another character says to him, 
what's the sword for? And he says, it's not a sword. It's a scalpel, yeah. which is just like, yeah, come on. Uh, next up, though, this week is Edge of Spider-Geddon number three. It's written by the mind-bender Jason Latour with breakdowns by Tanchi Zonjik. Finishes by Tanchi Zonjik and Brom Revel and colors by Tanchi Zonjik and Ian Herring with letters by VCs Corey Petit. This is a swirling kind of cerebral reality warping version of Peter and his old Uncle B. Uh, In this version, it's Spider Ben and Petey. It is a really, really different uh, look at what might have been it kind of exists as almost a what if issue in a really fun way as we move further and further towards spider geddon this feels like a story that only jason latour could tell because it takes advantage of this kind of alternate reality in really beautiful way it kind of leaps back and forth between times and eras we get to see uh some great villain fighting action there's a little touch of uh the mysterious man that i love his name is mysterio yep. you can say his name it's, it's pretty okay <laughs> but why are they fighting ostriches look yeah. at that panel what's going on i that's one of the like i feel that that is just like oh jason latour's like in this panel they should be fighting ostriches yeah why i don't know yeah. but it looks awesome yeah it's it's perfect the colors uh, I will also say a really beautiful throughout. It kind of is this like really beautiful muted tone with a lot of greens and reds. This is a another super super unique entry into the edge of Spider Geddon uh, stories. There's one more with number four, and then we're going on to the big event where we're starting with zero, because why? Where else would you start? Sometimes one. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, just throwing <laughs> it out there. But up next is Immortal Hulk number six, and again. The last line of this book is maybe the wildest thing this week. There's like a line and then the, a page turn, but the line itself, I will not spoil it, but I was like, what? And it's a riff on a Hulk thing, but it's so, I just blew me away. It was like, alarms going off. It was really good. Uh, this is written by Al Ewing, art by Lee Garbett, with colors by Paul Mounts and letters by Corey Petit. And when you read this series, you read this book, this is just like, it's bananas every issue. Mm-hmm. There's something that's going to like hit you. But now we're starting to see the bigger picture. And, you know, one of earthly forces going after the Hulk and then one of the darkness that's going after him and really driving him. And um, we don't have series artist Joe Bennett on this issue, but Lee Garbett does such a great job filling in here. He's got this scratchier style, but his faces and his bodies, they're like more angular He draws people that just look cool, Mm -hmm. you know, and he hits that action really, really well. Next issue, we have Hulk versus Avengers, which is going to be terrific. But again, I can't get over the ending of this issue. So cool. Uh, Moving on, we have Infinity Warps, Soldier Supreme number one. It's written by the Infinity Wars architect, Jerry Duggan, with art by Adam Kubert, colors by the incredible Matthew Wilson, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This tells the story of a character that we saw spun out of Infinity Wars, Stephen Rogers. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N. 
Rogers. You love that. I like, love it you so much. In on it so hard. I love it so much. It's those little things that really get me. And uh, it's so funny I, reading this. It really leaves me wondering: like, did they tell the story because it makes so much sense, or does it make so much sense because it's just such good writing? I have no idea which one it might be. It's probably something in between there um, because. It just works as we, you know, we we flash back to when in the regular Captain America story, Steve was given the super soldier serum and turned into the super soldier Captain America. But uh, the difference here is that he's kind of the Dr. Erskine kind of is this female like witch magician and she injects Steven PH. With this kind of mystical serum instead. I love the the splash page here of her, like right before the experiment, doing her magic magician magician-ness. Yeah. And like she's got like weird stuff on the floor and stuff's floating and glowing hands and things all around. It's like, it's just such a gnarly look. And it's so cool. And it's a little detail like this when after, you know, he becomes the soldier supreme he projects this kind of mystic shield that is a cross between the classic Doctor Strange projections out of his hands and, of course, the shield. It all just works. It's got uh, a really cool mustache. Uh, he's got a great mustache. Mm-hmm. That is, it evokes Agent M, just with an added soul patch in there, kind yeah. of in between. But I, I kind of love this for the same reasons that I loved Captain America Annual, and that's because we get a different little look at this World War II era. Uh, it's certainly a different character here. There's some great stuff with a different version of Bucky in here, which I really loved. It's a really unique tale, but you know, like I said, just strangely, uh, no pun intended works. I think it's like an opportunity to make some fun smash ups of Mm -hmm. different characters and and ideas, but also then like get to the core of the characters and the heart of things. Mm And yeah, we only have two issues of this, but I could see the enormity of the world and how you could have so much fun with who, Soldier Supreme is and and all these other ideas that Jerry and and the team are putting together. It is neat. Next up is Life of Captain Marvel, number three. And uh, it's written by Margie Stoll. Pencils in the present day by Carlos Pacheco. Inks by Rafael Fantariz. Colors by Marcio Meniz. And uh, in the flashback sequences, art by Marguerite Sauvage. Letters across the whole thing by Clayton Cowles. Okay, this is a very good week for last page reveals, Mr. Tucker, mm-hmm. because, oh boy, we got a doozy here. Same thing. In my notes, I, I for Doctor Strange, wrote the biggest what last page of the week. And then further down in my notes for Life of Captain Marvel, I went, sorry, wait, no, this is the biggest what reveal yeah, of the week. It is. Something special. I love it. But the, the second and the third issues of this book really, for me, have been when this this series has hit the stride. Uh, you know, Margie hits with this like funny little bits of dialogue and, and scene setting, like playing with the accents or the moment with the Cree in the fishing boat, which just cracked me up. Mm-hmm. It was really silly and wonderful. Carol's friend Lou, who I think is a terrific addition to the cast, it's just the atmosphere around everything. It it gives it such life and vibrancy. Uh, and then Carlos, man, he just makes Carol and like a bunch of the other characters feel so strong and incredible through not just their physiques, but like the body language and, and the way they move around in the scene. It's so, this is good. Real good stuff. 
We've got a Marvel Digital Original here with Luke Cage number two. It is written by Anthony Del Cole and art by Genoi Lindsay. And I love when you see villains mix it up with characters they're not traditionally connected to. It's one of the reasons why I love the old Acts of Vengeance event and you had an X-Men villain fighting a Captain America and whatever it was. This story has ex-villain Omega Red in Harlem going up against Luke and Danny. And it changes the dynamics a whole bunch. But aside from Omega, this feels like such a real story. Luke dealing with CTE. Uh, there's a scary virus that making people vomit blood. Heat waves in New York City making people hella anxious. Or people getting angry at rich folks and inequality. Like those things ground this story so well. And poor Luke, he's just trying to fix it all while not knowing who's behind the chaos. It's a neat, frantic, scary thriller of a story. Next up is Marvel Superhero Adventures, Captain Marvel, First Day of School, number one. It's written by Sholly Fish with art by Mariel Del Panino, colors by Java Tartaglia, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. We get Baby Spidey, Baby Carol Danvers, Baby Rhino? Let's be clear. They're not actual baby versions. Okay. That's like the like chibi style, whatever yeah. you want to use. They're just so- They're not babies. Okay, well, they're just synonymously adorable with yeah. the idea of a baby. And the baby. Okay. Uh, Ultron? <laughs> they're so uh, much fun to read. There's also- a comic strip in the middle of this. Like oh my a, gosh. the Daily Bugle comic. Ty uh, Templeton. Com yeah, it yeah. is so, so much fun to read. There's also a great little prose story at the end. Basically, if you're at the shop and you're there to pick up your books and you got some kids, pick this up as well because they will love it. There's so much packed in here and it is so much fun. Heck yeah. Up next is Jamie's pick of the week with Mr. and Mrs. X number three. Man, I feel like there's a lot to unpack in this issue, but first I'm just going to let you know it was written by Kelly Thompson, art by Oscar Balzaldua, and uh, colors by Frank Darmada with letters by Joe Sabino. Okay, so the Shi'ar, they're a race of bird-ish people, kind of the most powerful empire in the galaxy. Lalandra Nirmani used to be the ruler of the empire, but her sister and her brother also wanted to be rulers, and it was just it was the whole thing, Tucker. Don't even worry about it. We're past that right now. Okay. But the Imperial Guard is a group of warriors from different races and planets and with different power sets that were used to keep the Empire safe. Kind of like a like massive in, in number, supersized Avengers working for the Imperial government. And if like a member dies or something, they got replaced with another person. So like like think if you replaced Doctor Strange with another Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, so a few years back, the leader of the Imperial Guard, Gladiator, he became Magistor, which is head of the Empire. Also, Lelandra and Charles Xavier, they were lovers and allies for many years. That kind of gives you the background <laughs> for what's happening. Basically, folks, that's the Agent M version. The me version is I read this issue and loved it. Terrific. We're both <laughs> Starts on the same and ends page. there. Uh, but it gives you a sense of why the Shi'ar are involved in this chase for the mysterious egg. And the egg, what it is, what it means, is revealed this issue. And I, I was not expecting it. I loved it. Kelly, just, she's the best. She happens to create this very fun, funny, sexy, action-packed story with deep ties to X-Men history. Yet, kicks in with drama and so much heart. And I may have made it sound more complicated than it really is. You can be a Tucker and just dive right in without having 
far too much Shi'ar <laughs> knowledge rummaging around in your brain and still get so much out of it. Uh, but man, Oscar, woo! Yeah, Oscar is elevating hardcore in this series. There's a four-page sequence of Deadpool and Gambit, and they are battling through a horde of Shi'ar goons, and it's wonderfully choreographed and it's bouncy it's funny it's full of little details it is just tremendous comic book you know it's really funny uh recently on social media i saw kelly thompson answer a fan question about her favorite fight scenes in movies uh and she listed a ton but one of which was old boy the original old boy and this scene really felt like that to yep. me it's kind of like the hallway fight scene as you're kind of moving horizontally through the the pages it is so much fun. But if you love horizontal and linear storytelling, folks, stay out the way of Multiple Man number four. It's written by Matt Rosenberg with art by Andy McDonald, colors by Tom Bonvillain, and letters by VC Travis Lanham. Okay, basically, I'm just going to give a quick guide to where this story goes by the establishing captions in terms of where and when we are. Okay, it starts with 15 years from now, and then we move on to elsewhere and elsewhen, and then we go to elsewhere and elsewhen again, and then elsewhere and elsewhen still, and then elsewhere and elsewhen still again, and then and finally elsewhere and elsewhen still again again, and then 60 years in the future's future, and then two years in this future's future, and then 10 years in this future's future, and then three months further into the future, and then present day outside the expansion. Um, this is Matthew Rosenberg, <laughs> just... Drinking a milkshake, yep. being like, nerds, nerds, yep. nerds, nerds, nerds. <laughs> that basically doesn't even get to the half of it. If you love to delight in the wonderful weirdness and confusion and joy and timey-wimey out there-ness of what Matthew Rosenberg is doing in this story, what he can do as a whole, mix in his incredible dialogue all the way around. This is it. This, for me, is like this story keeps heightening issue upon issue and just when you think it couldn't get weirder it couldn't get more out there in terms of exactly that in terms of exactly the where and the when and who you're talking to and and why you're there everything it shouldn't make sense but it all does uh, it is really a wonder of storytelling across the board from uh, the writer from the art team it is kind of a thing where you step back and you look at it kind of, you know, squint your eyes a little bit and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it now. You skipped over maybe the most important thing. The, <laughs> the reason why I say this book deserves an Eisner Award, it is because in one of these realities, one of these like jumps, mm -hmm. we go to the uh, 90s Marvel swimsuit special yep. universe. And it makes everything <laughs> better because we get, and this is pulled from factual reality, there is a 90s Marvel swimsuit special with this image that we, we get to relive here. It is Punisher wearing a little bikini bottom with a skull over the crotch. Andy McDonald is doing the Lord's work on this book, and I love it so much. All right. Another book I love so much, and it is a pick of the week for me, is Return of Wolverine number one. This one is... Something y'all have been waiting for, we've been waiting for, we've been hunting for him, we've gotten glimpses of him, and now this is the book where Wolverine is back and is written by Charles Soule, art by Steve McNiven with Jay Lyston on inks and Laura Martin on colors with Joe Sabino lettering. Oh man, 
First things first, I have to talk about Steve McNiven channeling the glory that is Barry Windsor Smith hardcore here, and I love it. We don't talk about Barry Windsor Smith enough. Hmm. We need to make sure people understand how good he is, Uh, especially because you go back, you need to read the original Weapon X story if you have not. You then look at this, and you look at Logan's face throughout the story. Pure Barry Windsor Smith. The nose, like the way the nose is crooked, the way his eyes look, the way Wolverine's hair and the the chops just come down. Like... This beautiful mane of black hair. It is pure Weapon X style. It is so good. It's so fabulous. But this is the story of Logan coming back to life. And we open with him screaming in agony, costume in tatters, wounded, hot claws. The hot claws. The hashtag hot claws, as Charles Soule has called them online. Glowing red. We don't have all the details of what's going on yet, but Wolverine isn't quite the same person. He was... Before And we know when he died, when Charles and Steve and the team, they were the creators who who did the death of Wolverine, he had lost his healing factor. He was dying from adamantium poisoning. He was going through his, his final days. But here he comes back and, and before he, he knew so much about who he was, here he doesn't. He doesn't know who he is really. He doesn't remember things. He doesn't understand his body all the time. There's so many mysteries. And then you have the group bringing him back and they're such a huge mystery. We get to see more of Soterra and and Persephone. And the more we learn, the more we don't know. Uh, It's great stuff all around. There's a, a, we have right now on Marvel.com, a really great interview with Charles and Steve about this issue, about bringing Wolverine back, about what it's like to get the creative team back together four years after killing Logan off uh, to bring him back together. One of the big takeaways that I have from that piece was exactly kind of what you alluded to with this issue is that Charles really wants to make sure that this isn't just another story. This isn't just something that happened and then we're going to move on like normal. This is a really big seminal event in the life of Wolverine. He died. He was dead and he's not going to take that lightly and we're already seeing the impacts of that so early on. So excited to see what's next. But next up for me is Star Wars number 54, and it's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Salvador LaRocca, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This issue is so fun for me because, okay, one, we have Han flying an X-Wing. Rare sight, very, very, very fun. And this past story arc has been a ton of space battles, which is rendered just gorgeous gorgeously by Sal But my favorite thing of this issue in particular is, okay, Vader's involved, Vader's here, but I love the way that Kieran and the team treat him. He's treated like a monster where you don't see him that often. He's kind of lurking in the background. There's a team that has infiltrated uh, an Imperial ship. They're trying to get uh, a code out, um, bring it back. And they know he's on the way. You can just feel his presence in the background. And then, you know, when the monster bites, he really bites. And that was what I loved about Kieran's Vader run. Yeah. Vader didn't have much dialogue. He wasn't seen all the time. And when he came, it was terrifying. Yeah. It was like, you need to run and you may survive. <sighs> right. You probably won't. And that is like, that's the, the the vibe in here. Like within the first five pages of this book, you have two incredible splash pages. One is like the space battle you were talking about, which I don't understand how that was created. Yeah. Like that is so detailed and so 
wild. It's beautiful. But the second is this, you know, small, personal, absolutely terrifying page of Vader over the bodies of the rebels. And then Leia is like in a small inset box in the caption and she's just whispering, he's coming. Yeah. And it just chills. Yeah. So good. Uh, next up is Star Wars Lando Double or Nothing number five, written by Rodney Barnes, art by Paolo Villanella, colors by Andres Mosa, and letters by Joe Caramagna. And then you have the like terrifying Vader here, but you have, you know, sort of fun, excited, kind of annoyed at things Lando in this book. Mm-hmm. I like that our Star Wars books have those different tones every week. You know, Lando in this book, he's not a coward or an idiot. But he dances that line for his own amusement and excitement so well. And some of the business in here actually mirrors what we later see in the Solo movie. And this leads right up to where we first meet Lando in Solo, like literally in that first Mm -hmm. scene. It's, It's pretty neat. Next up is Thor number five, which is a pig of the week. My pick of the week, second pick of the week. Oh, yeah. It's written by Jason Aaron with guest art by Christian Ward. Oh, yeah. And letters by VCs Joe Sabino. You want me to talk about it? Because I could talk about it. I know you can. Oh, boy. My first line in my notes about this is in all caps, utter delightful incredibleness. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that makes <laughs> sense. But that's what I wrote because that's how I felt when I was reading this. I love these far future King Thor stories. This feels like the end of things, which it should. I mean, this is... The universe is dying. This is what's going on, and it feels like that. And who does he meet? The end of the universe, but old man Phoenix. Wolverine as the avatar for the Phoenix. This is just Jason Aaron writing the most metal stuff he can come up with Mm -hmm. and nailing it. Giant, cosmic, Phoenix Wolverine in full berserker rage versus Thor, who just builds a galaxy-sized storm, and they fight. They just go at it. And then you you can't forget this, this wonderful interlude with... Ego the Necro World, which is just devouring all the last living things in the universe, having already devoured Galactus, having already been consumed by the All Black, which connects it to the original Thor stories that Jason was doing and connects it to Venom, which Donnie and Ryan are doing. It's like pulls it all together. It's so cool. So gnarly. And Ego's fighting a worm. Yeah. I can't wait to see what that's about. I have my theories. But really... The ending, oh boy. You know, especially we have Christian Ward's incredible art. He He's doing the whole thing. You know, it's one of those artists who takes all parts of the art. Uh, he plays around with the different disciplines. So it's not just like, okay, here's a penciler. Someone else comes in and ink. Someone comes in and colors. He doing everything allows himself to not need to put lines in for everything. He uses colors to paint the lines, which is a really interesting thing. Really changes the the way you look at the art. There's little details he adds to Thor's helmet or Wolverine's hair because of a line of color. It's just magnificent. There is uh, The story starts with just a little flashback before we see the end of the universe action. Uh, and it's just a conversation between Thor and Wolverine in their younger days having a drink at a bar. And I just wanted to highlight this one little line of dialogue, which I loved so much. Jason Aaron, of course, a true master of the craft. Uh, It ends and it transitions uh, from this period into the far-flung future with Wolverine saying, I ain't no god, Thor, just a mutant who don't die easy. You may plan on sticking around forever, but bub, let me tell ya, 
old man Logan sure don't. And then boom, there he is billions of years later as the Phoenix. Ooh, man, it gives me chills. This week, we also got to talk about Venom number six, Holy Cow. This is written by Donny Cates, art by Ryan Stegman with J.P. Meyer and Frank Martin. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. I forgot that this was how the arc was supposed to end. Like, I know the bits and pieces and the beats for Venom, but I like those details sort of go away after I learn about them. And it's, man, it is brutal and it's sad and it's gorgeous. Ryan's pencils are just out of control. There's a big double page splash with Venom and the Grendel, and it is so detailed and intense and then you have the sound effects built into the image as if they're being smashed along with the building it is next level good and then the monstrous shapes that the symbiotes take they're just so cool but it's not just ryan what makes this team so good is that jp myers inks and frank martin's colors are so key to the cohesiveness the tightness and the spark of each page and the greens and the reds of the weapons and the fire they just have these perfect hues like especially the fire the last couple, like that last big sequence at the end of this issue mm-hmm. and the flames, the way they look is so gnarly. And of course, of course, Donnie, if you're listening, Donnie, 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 it is fun and is heartfelt and is full of great phrasing and, and, and pacing and these holy crap moments. He's so good with those, what the hell, Donnie, what are you doing mm-hmm. kind of moments. It's so good. I can't believe that this is just the end of the first arc. It feels like we've gone through so much already yeah. and I know how much more is to come. It's wild and we're not done with venom yet tucker oh no because we have a marvel custom comic linked to the film venom it is venomtastic and is written by sean ryan art by simon kudransky and colors by ian herring letters by vc's joe sabino now you know tucker when you're in the early stages of a relationship just getting to know the other person you're making jokes you're learning where they came from what they like to eat what hurts them you're lying about your entire life story yep (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're familiar. I, oh, I understand. Yeah. yeah, you get it. Uh, that's what this comic is. It's just that the relationship is between Eddie Brock and the alien symbiote that wants to eat people. It's a quirky and fun Marvel custom comic linked to the film, and it sets up the tone and the circumstances and the dynamics that we're going to see on the screen. And it is free to read. You go to marvel.com slash comics and check out the read for free section, which is really cool. Everybody who's listening can check it out right now. We'll put links in the show notes and the news story as well. Plus, tickets for Venom are on sale now. Those who buy their tickets at an AMC theater for opening weekend, will receive a physical copy of this limited edition comic book with an added exclusive reveal. Ooh. Yeah, thank you. Uh, That is not featured in the online version. Uh, Remember, Venom comes out October 5th. More symbiote action on the way with Venom First Host number four. It's written by Mike Costa with pencils by Mark Bagley, Paco Diaz, and Ron Lim. Inks by Andrew Hennessy, Paco Diaz, and Scott Hanna. Colors by Dono Sanchez Almara. And letters by Clayton Cowles. I'm really enjoying this book because it's so different. It's so different than any other Venom stuff that we've gotten, uh, let alone in in Donnie and Ryan's run, but in in even uh, Mike's run on the book going back a little while. This is, it's exploring a universe that's like no other right now. We got scrolls, the scroll military, we have government intrigue, a war, and, you know, Eddie is stuck in the middle of it all. Uh, there's this weird kind of lime green, black, super bulky 
version of the symbiote that Eddie uh, uses throughout. And it has some unique powers. I love the the two-page splash that you're looking at right here. It's the two symbiotes. It's, you know, you have the, the classic Venom symbiote mm-hmm. and this young symbiote, the, the like it's Spawn, who has that yellow and green and black vibe to it. And the way that the young symbiote is depicted is like this squiddy creature. It's really cool where the Venom symbiote has this almost like techno-organic feel to parts of it. Mm-hmm. Ah, just so neat. Yeah, there's almost a, a Lovecraftian vibe to this look, and it's really, really fun. Uh, and, you know, of course, of course, it all works. Heck, yeah. You know what else works? West Coast Avengers. Oh, boy. Number two out this week and is written by Kelly Thompson, art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Triona Farrell, and letters by Joe Caramagna. Before anyone asks, yes, I am very much into Brodock, the biorobotic organism designed overwhelmingly for kissing. He appeals to me on multiple levels. You better believe there's also kissing in this issue. Again, this book is kind of my ultimate jam. Yeah. Brodock may be one of my favorite new characters of like the last year. Right? At, le- at least. Uh, so much fun. So good. Uh, West Coast Avengers, easily one of the funniest books we have. And it comes naturally with the chemistry of the team, the ridiculous situations, and this wonderful creative team. You all know I'm in the tank for Kelly, but man, Stefano Caselli. This is the book he is born to draw. He does superhero action so well. We we saw him do it, Secret Warriors, and so many other books over the years. But you add in all the quirk and the comedy that is just inherent in this team and and what Kelly's writing. Plus, you have Giant Tiger in this book, and and it's fantastic. I This could have been, should have been, is one of my picks of the week without getting the ding. Totally agreed. If this book, if this series continues on the way the first two issues have. Uh, it is absolutely bound to be one of my favorite books out there. It is so much fun. But we are swinging now to something entirely different, something a lot, you know, maybe more solemn, with X-Men Gold, number 36. This is the last one, folks, and it has been quite a ride. This issue is written by Mark Guggenheim with art by Perry Perez, Colors by J. David Ramos and letters by Corey Petit. This is a one-off issue that gets to the heart of the X-Men in a really beautiful way. We get some Kitty and Piotr action right at the start to tie it into the larger series, some Aurora stuff. But then the whole issue kind of centers around this one, this one encounter, this one sad kind of frightening uh, and really difficult showdown that the Gold Squad comes uh, into. There's someone uh, who is a mutant, but didn't know he was a mutant. And he's kind of encountering his uh, powers, his really powerful and really dangerous powers for the first time. And he's scared. He uh, doesn't know how to control it. It's, you know, rendered beautifully by Pere with some great kind of Kirby crackle throughout. And the Gold Squad uh, and Kitty in particular show up and instead of looking to fight and instead of looking to subdue him, she speaks to him. And, you know, in that way gets to the heart of what the X-Men are all about. It's about understanding. It's about getting to someone on a personal level, speaking to them as a person and not just as a mutant, not as a freak, not as an abomination. And uh, she does so and she does her best. Things 
take a turn, though, and you'll have to read to find out exactly how, but it is a difficult and beautiful and really intimate ending to X-Men Gold. Mark Guggenheim has put in a shift on this series. It has been uh, a real, real delight to read. 36 issues of X-Men Gold, and it's a really, really nice way to finish it all up. I couldn't pay any attention to what you were saying because you were rolling up my copy of that comic book like it was I'll your trade own. You. I'll you trade were, you. You were rolling it up like you own the damn book, I'll trade Tucker. you. I'll trade you. I'll, I'll trade you, and you know what? I'll even sign one for you. How about that? I wanted a good copy, <laughs> not one signed by you, you monster. All right, also this week we have four True Believers issues. They will cost you $1 and get you classic comics. We've got Marvel Knights 20th Anniversary Iron Fist by Thomas and Kane. Number one, 20th anniversary for Marvel Knights, Power Man and Iron Fist, number one. Two more Marvel Knights, 20th anniversary issues, Punisher by Grant and Zek, number one. And then the first appearance of the Punisher, number one. Each of those, one single dollar. Collections on sale this week include Amazing Spider-Man, Red Goblin, Cable, Volume 3, Past Fears, Clandestine, Family Ties, Franklin Richards, A Fantastic Year. Uh, big hype for A Fantastic Year, uh, Franklin Richards. It is a uh, book in a large part by Chris Eliopoulos, who is the man who runs VC of VC's whatever it is, the Virtual Calligraphy Company. And he wrote these sort of almost Calvin and Hobbesy and hmm. Franklin Richards stories, which I hope get stay in print forever. Other collections include Infinity Countdown, Darkhawk, Killraven Masterworks Volume 1, Marvel Knights Fantastic Four by Morrison and Lee 1234, Spider-Gwen Volume 6, Life of Gwen Stacy, Star Wars Legends Epic Collection, The Menace Revealed Volume 1, and Venom Volume 4, The Nativity. On the digital front, uh, a book we didn't talk about during the main part of the show is Cloak and Dagger, uh, which has a Marvel Digital Original number two out this week. But we've already talked about those stories in Cloak and Dagger issues three and four previously on Marvel's pull list. So uh, you can rewind and, and check uh, previous episodes for those. But it's great stuff. Definitely check it out. It's now just a Marvel Digital Original release. Also on sale on the Marvel app this week, we've got some cool 70s Amazing Adventures issues uh, and then a neat 2001 Thor book called Godstorm, which is easily one of the coolest names for a comic ever. Plenty of stuff hitting the collections, uh, the Godstorm collection, and some Superhero Squad. Uh, On to Marvel Unlimited. Lots of stuff in here. Citizen V and the V Battalion. A lot of stuff in there. Uh, Some Marvel graphic novels. Wolfpack, issues 1 through 12. Talked about Wolfpack a couple weeks ago. I've never read it. Had never heard of it. I'm excited to check it out. You can, too. Tons and tons of stuff in here. We'll include lists and links in the news story and the show notes and everywhere you need them. Uh, that about wraps it up. Oh, can't forget, we've got videos this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, we did a special one featuring our favorite covers of the week. We have, of course, our regular episode where we, we dig into four specific issues around a topic. And then even a special mailbag. Hope you guys checked out the mailbag last week with editor Will Moss. This week we've got more. It's fun. Hope you guys are checking them out. Tweet us. Let us know what you're thinking. And watch them. Just like keep watching them. That's how it works, right? Just people watch the video over and over again. We get money. Yeah. Okay. That also means time to go. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your Universe.